I want to, um, I, I've, I've talked about this before, and, and um, there was a picture. Now, Missy, I used to have a picture of me standing there when I was flexed up and all this stuff at Cecil Dunn. It's gone now, but I want to remember that. And there was a time that um, if, if it was coming to my hair, when I had hair, I spent a lot of time on it. And then my body, uh, some of you may still spend a lot of time on your body. It's one thing that most of us have not paid as much attention to as we've got a little older. And I paid a lot of attention on that. And uh, the third thing was uh, I was full of confidence. Um, and it wasn't necessarily a vanity, although I, I fixed too much time on my hair and spent too much time uh, maybe lifting weights or whatever. And then, uh, but it was three things I spent a lot of time in, in developing. And uh, if you ever saw that picture, you know that it wasn't real developed, but it was a little bit. And, uh, but it's amazing how much time we put on things that we think that are important. And things that we put value on. And I put value on those because I heard something back in the day they would say nothing put nothing in nothing out and that was one thing that one thing that I really realized in life that if you don't put anything into what you're doing then you're not going to get anything out and tonight in our service you may be here for a lot of reasons if you don't put anything into this relationship with the Lord you will get nothing in return It would be nice if he came down and he just fixed everything and he, and he just zapped us and we were perfect believers and we didn't have any struggles, we never have any, had anything that was a, a difficulty or that we had victory over everything. But in all reality, if you want victory over something, a lot of time it take, takes a lot of self-discipline and a lot of time and a lot of devotion because nothing in and nothing else. I must put effort into it. Have you ever heard this? How many times have you heard this? You've got to put effort in if you want to see anything come out of it. It's kind of like these people that do furniture. Furniture is something that takes a lot of work, a lot of tedious work, a lot of sanding, a lot of prep, preparation. And it's not something I would be very good at. And, but but to, for furniture to be nice, it has to have a lot of time put in, a lot of emphasis. But have you ever heard this? Yes. Is it true? Absolutely. Is it true? Absolutely. And how many of us have things in our life and have situations and, and, and just let me stick to my notes. In what areas of our life does this work? And I think of all of them. And I wrote down in our work, in our play, in our life, in our religion, in our ministry, in our worship, in our teaching, in our evangelism. Because a lot of us don't want to spend the time that it takes, to re, that God, re, that not even the God, but just that it takes to develop those things. I was in a service today, and I had no idea I was going to say this, but I was in a service today that there was a lot of things thrown together, but nothing made sense. Uh, a lot of direction given to us to what we're supposed to do when we got there. There was nobody there to take care of, of the family and separation and different things. It was just chaotic. And when there is no, listen just a minute, if there is no purpose and no effort in your life for a common goal, all you have is chaos. And in your life, many times we don't do anything. We wonder why our life is going the way it's going. It's because we're not putting anything into it. And then we're getting chaos and then we're blaming God for the chaos. When we were at a Silver Dollar City, there was a guy standing in line in front of us. And on the back of his shirt, he had this written on it. 
You only get out what you put in. But you don't expect, don't expect any more until you put more in. And I thought that was so, I'm going to read it again. You only get out what you put in. Don't expect more until you do more. That's it. Don't expect more until you do more. And I'm not talking just about, about works, but I'm talking about effort itself. And nothing comes out of, of what we do unless we purposely put it in there. And I thought about people in the Bible and how this applies to our life and how it applies to our, our personal life. We can lift weights and I had a young man come and talk to me today about some things in his life and, and a lot of his self-discipline, a lot of him he quit his, and it's on his own and he's 22 years old and it's, it's my son, my, my nephew and, and he's quit some things that he used to do in his life and he's trying to get himself worked up to the place that he needs to be as a father but it's not working yet because he still feels empty on the inside. You only get out of what you put in and don't expect more until you do more lifting weights self-discipline work relationships prayer those are all things that require things of us but how many of us are really really willing to work on those things in particular in our life my wife told me that she talked to me about this vividly used scripture using had me interpret the scripture then she threw it over all to me about uh uh what do you think it means? And what do you think this means? And, and I said, well, I kept explaining and breaking it down. She said, I think it's the same with you. She said, you don't sound any different really to anybody else except to yourself. And the thing that you've got to develop in your own life is your own confidence in what you're speaking. Because the value in this word is what we're speaking about, not the value of myself. And there's a big difference there. If you only go with what you can do, you're always limited. But it's, it's, it's important that we understand that it's what, when God works, that it doesn't matter. I guess it does matter. It doesn't matter what we are, it's what he are, is in us. I'd like you to take your Bibles and go to Luke chapter 18. Often do we expect things to come our way without costing us something. I don't know how many of you played the billion dollar lottery this week. If you may have your ticket in your pocket and you may be flashing 15 of them around and, and I'm not condoning it in any way. But some people are, are taking risk of, of money they may not have and putting it towards something that maybe, maybe. Maybe. Any guilty faces? How often we expect something to come our way that we don't, our way without, without costing us something. And in this chapter 18 and verse 18 through uh, 21 through 24, all these have I kept from my youth up. And when Jesus heard these things, he said to him, You lackest thou one thing, so all that thou hast and distribute to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven, and come follow me. And when he heard this, he was very sorrowful, for he was very rich. And I began to think, he done all these things right. And what about you and me? What about what we've done, all the, all the things that we've done is so right. 
but yet we're lacking in one thing. One thing we're un, unwilling to set aside, one unwilling to impart it back then to God and say, God, give me deliverance to this. It may not even be sin. It could be just an issue of your life. But this guy had done everything right. He had been faithful on, on the things that were required. And, and you know what? If it was just a, a, a book of rules that, that we had, just a general book of rules, and we listed up to 16 fundamental truths of the assemblies, if we took those and we had 16 fundamentals and, and we obeyed each and every one of those, and we thought that was good enough, but that's not really the case because this relationship with Christ goes beyond the, the norm. It goes into areas of, of things that are very personal and things that are, it's not sin, but things that set us apart. And this guy had done all the right things that the law had said. And the only thing that he lacked was where his heart was. And why is that important? Nick has a new baby, and Colin Haley has a new baby, and, and Cecil boy is on his way to the great recovery, and four pounds is laying in a, in a regular bed now, and a lot of things going great, and that's wonderful. There's probably not a, a night, especially the first couple of nights with Nick, well, maybe the first week. She's changing diaper, and, and she's real regular on her diaper changes, because this is his words. And then, then Seth on his little boy, Emmett, and, and all that goes on with him. And, and, but there's not very many, very many moments or very many nights that goes by that, they, that these little bitty ones that are dependent upon them in so many ways are not upon their mind. This guy worked his whole life to exactly what was right. He finally went to one who seemed to be the master, someone who was, who was, who was greater than all the, the hierarchy of the churches. And he went to him and he said, what do I, I need to do? And Jesus heard how he'd done all these right things. And he said, you like one thing because it's where your heart is. It was the only thing left for him to do. And he would be complete. He would, be, he would feel complete. Now, I wonder about us. He's important to us, and we come to church faithfully, and, and we do all the things on the outside. It seems so important. But really, is there something else that he's asking for? Is he asking for us to, to really walk into a, an area of something we may not know, or maybe we do know, we're just afraid to, to step out into that? Was he right? What was the result? What was the result of the young guy? He said he went away sorrowful for he was very rich. He was great sorrow, and he gave up, and he was willing to give up something, but he wasn't willing to give it up. What is he asking us? What is God asking us? You know, as a, a young man and, and growing up, I was pretty good. And you can be pretty good. But what Lord, the Lord is wanting is not how good. He's wanting you to be obedient. Things have a tendency of holding us back and keeping us restrained. And, and that's exactly where this man was. He was pretty good, but when he compare, compare yourself to Christ... 
what he had done or self-sacrifice. And you're saying, yeah, but that was Christ, and I agree. But there was other people that suffered great things because of the commitment to Christ. What about Apostle Paul? We hear about him all the time, all the things he went through and, and tortured and all the wrecks and, and different things that he'd done. But, but, but also remember, he went through the isolation of, of changing to Christianity. And he followed the Lord regardless. Go to 1 Kings, if you will. Have you ever felt like your life wasn't fair? Has anyone ever fell into that trap? It seemed to happen easy for some people, but your life has always seemed unfair and, and never seemed to came, come uh, freely to you. And for some reason, you always hold back because of, of how, oh, let me say it this way. I'm tired of doing and doing and giving and giving and nobody else doing it and nobody recognizing it. I'm tired of going there and trying to do it alone. I, I'm the only one who understands I am the only one who understands. In first, in first Kings chapter 19, verse 19, verse 9. And he came hither to a cave and lodged there, and behold, the word of the Lord came to him and said, What do thou doest here? What do thou do in here, Elijah? And he said, I have been very jealous for the Lord of hosts. For the children of Israel have forsaken thy covenant and thrown down altars and slain thy prophets with the sword. And even I, yet even I only am left. And they seek my life to take it away. Isn't it amazing that, that when we think we've done so much and, and we've given up so much to follow the Lord and, and variety of things, we never sit and think about all the things that he has done, what he has done in our lives. And the Lord answers him and he says, Elijah, there's seven prophets, or seven believers that have not bowed their knee before Baal and opened their mouth and kissed the, the idol, if you would. There's so many more things that, that, that above and beyond what we, you can, can comprehend or even understand. Why do we feel so unique? Why do things not happen quite as easily for some of us as, as other people? The worst thing that can happen to any of us is we begin to think we're the only one that knows. We're the only one that had been there. Verse five through eight. I say, as he slept under a juniper tree, behold, an angel touched him and said, arise and eat. And he looked and behold, there was a cake baking upon the coals and a cruise of oil on his head. And he did eat and drink and lay down again. And the angel of the Lord came again to him the second time. And he touched him and said, Arise and eat, because the journey is too great for thee. And he arose, and he did eat and drink, and went in the strength of the, that meat for 40 days and 40 nights unto Horeb, unto the Mount of, or, Mount of God. Let me stop here for a minute. We had a guy here was a struggle. He was struggling with some of the things of, of life. And, and some of you guys sometimes me struggle, and, and I struggle with things we don't understand. And we feel like we've been faithful, we've been consistent, we've been honorable to God with, with things we have been respectful and what we have been called to do. And we fall all alone. But 
before he began to tell the Lord how faithful he had been, how unfaithful everything in life was, the Lord sent an angel to take him bread and water, and he never considered the miracle in that alone. Verse 18, yet you have left me 7,000, yet I have left me 7,000 in Israel, all which have not bowed unto Baal, and every mouth which has not kissed him. And so he departed thence, and he found Elisha. And I want to stop here to you for just a minute. When we think of all that Elijah had done and so many miracles and great things had happened, when the Lord was done with him, he was done. And it's time for you to rest yourself and to take on someone else. And he began and went straight to Elisha after he just spoke to him. And he thought he was the only one that was left. And many of us feel that way sometimes. Go to John chapter 3 if you would. I mentioned Braden. I'm going to. He came to our youth about five years ago. And uh, he had an experience and he, and he really enjoyed being with our young people. He would come down through the week sometime and go on trips with us and different things. But Braden's 22 years old. He's overwhelmed with growing up. He's got a wife, a child, and the pressures of life. He doesn't feel like he's providing and he doesn't feel like he's doing all the things right that he should do. He understands his responsibility as a spiritual leader, but he's so miserable and everything's failing. We were in this service today and it wasn't one like you go, wow, it was amazing, it was great, wonderful. It was two hours long, we had 14 songs and, and I don't know all the re- details, but it was, it was lengthy. But the whole time we sat there, he was constantly fidgeting and bobbing his head, and biting his lip, and doing different things. And in the middle of the singing, as, as anointed as it was, he, t- he turned around and he said, I want to talk with you sometime today. I said, okay. Went through the rest of the service, and afterwards I thought he was gone because he was missing. But I pulled him aside and began to talk to him about his life. And by all the things that had filled his life, and he'd been successful, had great jobs and great benefits and, and things, but he still felt in, inadequate and that he still wasn't meeting the needs of his family. He wasn't making enough. He wasn't doing enough. And I said, you know what the problem is, Braden? You're not meeting the needs spiritually. And he said, I know. And he said, I feel so guilty every time I come into a church and all the things that I go through and all the things that are going on there, and I've got to get involved in church said, yep, nothing is going to bring fulfillment like knowing you're right place, you are in the right place that you need to be. In John chapter 3, verse 29, this is one of the greatest comments I think anyone can make. He that the bride, he that hath the bride is the bridegroom. But the friend of the bridegroom, which standeth and heareth him, rejoiceth greatly because of the bridegroom's voice. This my joy, therefore, is fulfilled. He must increase, but I must decrease. 
He that cometh from, from above, he that cometh from above is above all. He that is of the earth is earthly, and he speaketh of the earth. But he that cometh from heaven is above all. And in every one of our lives, and especially, I will say mine, when we understand that he must increase, we have to decrease. The rich and ruler, the rich and ruler seemed he had to decrease, and he didn't like that. He liked to give everything away to the poor. He didn't see the need for that. He enjoyed his riches. He enjoyed the things that he had accomplished. And he enjoyed, he enjoyed his goodness. But his goodness and the riches were not enough when the Lord said, what you need is to do this. And he went away sorrowful. The second one was Elijah. He did so many things. And, and he was obedient in so many things. He seen so many miracles and, and killed the prophets of Baal. And, and he was so successful in so many ways. Yet then he turned everything upon himself about how unfair it is. And how he's the only one left and he's the one that's doing it all. Didn't the Lord see it? And he said, your time is over. Let's find Elisha. We can be as John the Baptist. If there was ever anyone in Scripture or anyone who lived a life so set apart, so different, so unique, it was John the Baptist. What was Jesus' comments to him? He said, no greater prophet has ever lived than John the Baptist. What did John the Baptist see? He went about himself, and it wasn't unfairness and, and how hard his life had been, him living out in the wilderness and, and rain and camel's hair and the uncomfortableness and this and that and, and, and partaking of wild locusts and eating honey. His focus was on this. When he met Christ and he saw him, he said, my purpose is, is to do it to this, to this point, but my purpose is to decrease and his is to increase. And as individuals, I want you to get some music, Misty, if you would. Each of us can ask yourself a very honest question. Is he increasing in my life or is he decreasing? I do this often. We have time for prayer around the altar. Doesn't mean that God's going to speak to you and tell you everything you have and and go live in Cambodia or anything else. But but there is something that we all get problems sometimes not not, not working in obedience. And I think a lot of us have missed opportunities when the Lord deals with us about things. And I think we're a whole lot like this rich young ruler. We do so many things well. We do so many things well that we think that's what gets us by. Maybe the Lord is saying something to you. 